Hey, it's Matt. You're listening to episode 99 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. I've got a perfect guest for such an auspicious episode number. It's the great David Carson. First and foremost, widely regarded as probably the world's most influential graphic designer. He changed the visual landscape for Western consumer media over the last 20, 25 years. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, He's also got a massive affinity with action sports, particularly surfing, and through the fact that he got his start working on magazines such as Transworld. Anyway, anyone who's worked in media or anyone who's involved in graphic design or anyone who's got a passing interest in graphic design has a view on Carson, and I sure do. So my David Carson tale is probably quite a familiar one, really. Back in the early 90s, as I've talked about a fair few times on the show, I was working for White Lines magazine which was a very formative time for me. And I remember really clearly when I first went down to see the guys at Permanent Publishing in probably 96, 97, and uh, ended up realizing I was going to be working full-time on White Lines. I came back from that trip pretty daunted because I was 20, I think, 2021, 20, but also totally fired up at the creative possibilities ahead. At the time, I had a few influences, Rad Magazine, which I've also talked extensively about on this podcast, and David Carson's book, The End of Print, which seemed to me as a young kid starting out in this world to be a thrillingly anarchic and freewheeling rule book tearing up take on how to create magazines and indeed art in general. And when I discovered that he'd also started out working on titles like Transworld, I was also even more inspired and impressed. After all, if he could do it, then why couldn't we? Fast forward 20 years to when I'm putting together this much mentioned wish list of guests and of course David Carson is one of the first names on the list and to be honest that's something I kind of totally forgot about just because I thought it was so unlikely that I'd ever get the chance to to meet him anyway then and there's a big name drop coming up one late September 2019 Monday morning I wake up to a whatsapp message from none other than David Benedict who's asking would you mind doing me a favor to go meet David Carson at Gatwick Airport and pick up some signed prints for me. Now, obviously, I replied, yep, with quite quickly, reckon he'll do a podcast at the same time. To which David replied, no chance, but I'll ask him. Five minutes later, Benedict replies, he's up for it. You just need to meet him at Gatwick Airport tomorrow evening. So it was that me and a visibly excited Owen Tozer, who counts Carson as his graphic design hero, headed up to a bizarrely inappropriate slash appropriate airport hotel in Crawley, of all places, to meet and interview the great man himself. Sometimes, I've got to admit, this job is ace. Um, It was a very funny night. We had a great conversation. We had a few beers with Carson. Took some pictures. Generally, yeah, you know, bit of a pinch yourself moment, this one for us, really. I'll be back at the end with the old roundup and housekeeping corner, but here it is, me and David Carson, the end of print. Enjoy. How you doing? Hey, how's the jet lag? Uh, medium, medium. Just just in from India, uh, which I was surprised and had no idea. I'd never been, and it's alarming. Well, that's not quite the right word, but very similar to the Caribbean, uh, tropical and plant-wise, like, uh, coconut trees and, and all the same vegetation. And so I made a point to look on the map, and yeah, it's the same kind of zone, same latitude. But I wasn't expecting that, you know, because you see only the crowded city, awful photos, and kind of 
anyway, so it was nice. So, and I heard reports of surf. I didn't actually see any, but see any. Uh, I didn't see surf, but they told me north and south, but it hasn't really caught on there. It's not a big part of the culture. Yeah, there's the islands, aren't there, the, in the south where you, you need... The to, south they kept talking about. Yeah, yeah. like, what's, yeah. is it the and- Andaman Islands or something? Like where there's the... Yeah, occasionally you see people do, do little trips there, yeah. don't you? Little, well, and they actually didn't even mention the islands. They, they said, like, you know, part of... Not the island, but I don't... Uh, yeah, anyway. And you were in Goa, were you? Is that right? Yeah, Goa. Goa. Yeah, and that was for a conference, was it? They have all these these signs all over that say "Go slow," right? Instead of a speed limit, and I thought, "Hello," it should say "Go slow." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you were yeah, there, there for, for a design conference. It's uh, they 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 say it's the biggest one in um, in India, and it was great. I was pleasantly surprised. Never been, and uh, never been to India. No, right. I had various invites over the years and uh, never never went. I was never actually that intrigued or something. And uh, boy, it, was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And how long were you there for? Five days. Yeah. So you got, you got time to kind of see a little bit apart from away from what you were doing? Um, not too much. But what I did get a lot of interaction with, with um, the, uh, the people and they're super warm and friendly and welcoming and Nice. You, you could really see that from your. You did a few posts on Instagram, right? And yeah, it seemed like you got a great, great welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger. I had no idea. It was uh, had somebody telling me that when I was doing this music magazine, Reagan, they couldn't get it in India, and so they would fly five hours to the nearest place that sold it. To wow. Get, to get the new issue, they would fly five hours. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. like across the. Yeah, continental states, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's a long flight. For, for <laughs> so a, I was going to fly to Moscow. For a two ninety five magazine, yeah. but uh, anyway. So yeah, super welcoming. Um, really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm still kind of. Does it? Does it? It must be surprising still to hear stories like that. To you know the the impact that something like Reagan had, where you go somewhere like Goa. It, it, it is a bit, and somebody, um, somebody says, yeah, go, somebody go, gives go, you a story like that. Quite a few stories like that. Yeah. And, do you, do you uh, get that quite a lot then with your work? Do you get people? It's, it's not unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the kind of fun or exciting thing is that it's. Um, I'm also getting, getting students, but then you get these people. Oh man, Reagan! When I was in school, that was, that was the thing, and so it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, that's the impact of it, I guess. You know that that piece of work did you when you were involved in it we, did you have any idea that it would have that kind of impact no 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 you you know i had just done this magazine beach culture with um out of surfer publications and uh i felt at the time that that was well actually i still kind of feel that was my best magazine work we did six issues um it was uh, steve Fesman. uh I think it was really what he intended to be uh, what Surfer's Journal became, but it was called, it was actually called Surf Culture, which was a magazine they did once a year, and you literally, you bought an ad, and next, on the page opposite it would be an article about your company, glowing article. Right. It was called Surf Culture, it came out once a year. The classic model. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but like like ridiculously so. Right. Um 
And he had this idea that, well, maybe we could do something a little different. And, uh, and that was uh, the birth of, of Beach Culture Magazine, which was actually called Surf Culture up until almost the first issue was printed. And I often think he has been really, I think, saw Beach Culture being more what Surfer Journal became right. than it was. And, okay. and he took it, me and the editor kind of went. <laughs> you went a different way. A little different direction. And, uh, you know, and oh, there's so many issues there. You know, Surfer was so unconcerned about Pesman starting a new magazine that they gave him a free ad in, in an issue. It's a picture of Laird Hamilton kind right. of cutting back on a yellow and, and uh pink striped board announcing this thing called the surfer's journal wow really yeah oh yeah right and that's how how unworried you know oh yeah that sounds great uh, that'll you know. never last yeah exactly good <laughs> yeah. luck with that one flashing upon this thing leaving leaving a surf magazine to go start a, a surf magazine for older people good yeah. luck yeah <laughs> wow okay. and you know who's standing i had a i got some kind of weird comment from the uh editor of uh no the publisher of surfing magazine he did something and i posted something kind of unrelated and he had a few comments and i thought well <laughs> there's two things that come to mind when i think of surfer and surfing and of course they were those are great battle days when, when they were both kind of in their prime but but I would say two two people come to mind: Darwin and Steve Pesman. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to really talk about surfer and surfing, <laughs> anyway, that's a. But um, yeah. So. So, so why did why do you say I've I've read that you've said this before about beach culture, but what was it about that that makes you still look at it today as you the work that you're you know still look well, back so fondly it was it was done in the literally in the warehouse at surfer publications they didn't quite know what to do with it it was me and an editor a guy named neil Feynman, and we did the whole magazine when i finished i sent it to the printer nobody had to okay it or, you didn't have any kind of over overseers no no, no publishers no. that were right no so you had that you had very real freedom to, to almost ex- complete and, yeah. and i was very aware of that and kind of did every issue like it might be the last. And the amazing thing is, kind of we had we had that um, we got six issues in two years. Um, you know, when we finally got enough ads sold, they would they would put a printed issue. And but Surfer didn't really know what to do with it. Right. The ad guys and girls didn't. Uh, didn't really want it. It was like, oh, and you have to sell beach culture too. And they're like, what? You know, it's not right. a surfer. <laughs> well, like, that, that probably does give you a bit of freedom, though, right? Because if there's well, enough... well, that's a good point. Yeah, because if there was always it... a real disconnect with the editorial and then these ads, it just didn't fit at all. Yeah, uh, um, and so that somehow was probably part of a deal that you also got a page in Surfer. Yeah, sure. Or, yeah, or you no, you bought your ad in Surfer and you get a page in this new thing we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> And you got beach culture as well. So you, so you had two years of basically kind of doing your own thing. Yeah. Were, were you um, creatively, were you aware of the opportunity and you, that was something that you took seriously as like, okay, I can, I can just completely express myself through the work? Pretty much. I mean, I, I think the, I was just so absorbed in the process and the whole thing, but I was always aware that it was a really unique situation. I mean, I had just come from a very conservative magazine on the East Coast called Musician. It was kind of a serious uh, music magazine. 
where, owned where, if, by if, Billboard Publications. If I could ask, where are we in your in in this in the kind of arc of your career then at this point? Have, have you is this before? We're still on the way way up. <laughs> <laughs> but like the because obviously there's like the trans world part of it as well. Um, was the, did trans will come after beach culture or? Well, that's a good question, and because it's, it's it's getting so old now. But um, so the uh, the starting point for me, really, my whole career was Trans World Skateboarding Magazine. I was teaching high school in San Diego and uh, Del Mar, Torrey Pines High School, and uh, there was a there was the main skateboard magazine was Thrasher. Yeah, and there was a mother, a unique design proposition. Pardon? A unique design proposition, yeah, as a magazine, yeah, but but one that worked, I, yeah. I would say, and um, always had that super strong like um, tone and and design language to it. Let's say, yeah, and there was a mother, a mother of a young skater who thought it was too out there and too radical for her son, and so she decided to start her own magazine. Is that right? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. That explains that stylistic difference then. And she she got together with the uh, owner of uh, skateboard truck company, Tracker Trucks, and Larry Balma, who's a great guy. And um, we'll do our own magazine. It's not going to be all this radical, weird stuff that a trasher does. We're going to make it clean and wholesome and good for for young kids so that was the birth of trans world really and, uh, yeah. right and and were you involved from the beginning they did two issues before me and their only advertiser of any note was stacy peralta pal peralta stacy looked at the magazine and, and basically told them uh, look you know, i want to support you i think it'd be good for thrasher to have some competition but Unless you get it together, I I, I got to pull out. This yeah, thing. I can't can't be in. It's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing, and right. it, it really was, which is a little ironic because it actually had a pretty a pretty good well a soulful idea. I don't know how good an idea it was, but so the skaters took their own pictures, wrote their own stories, and did their own layout. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's in theory kind of cool, uh, but it didn't work at all. It was just embarrassingly bad as a magazine and not so bad that it was good just <laughs> corny just didn't work just just you know and yet you had i mean you had great skaters and blah 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 anyway so but yeah that stacy said look you know if you don't get this together i'm i'm out right and they said well you know what do we do or what do we, you know who, who, how do we change and we had a mutual friend um a guy named David Morin, D. David Morin, who later went on to announce all the early ASP pro surf contests and stuff. Uh, and he had heard through him that uh, that I was starting to try to get involved in graphic design after surfing forever and being a teacher. And, and I think he kind of said, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe try this Carson guy. He's trying to get into graphic design, but, but do something. Right. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. So that's serendipitous. And, um, and uh, yeah, and I can still remember being at the, in the teacher lunchroom at Torrey Pines High School getting a call about some guy wanting to know if I'd like to come up to Oceanside and talk about designing their skateboard magazine. And I'm just going, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How soon? Right. You know? 
and uh, so I would teach all day. And I mean, yeah, you know, uh, I'd teach all day and then go up and do the magazine in the afternoons. And that was so. That was the start for me to um, triangle skateboarding. And it, it took a, quite a while, I think, to to uh, uh, I don't know what the word is to get some of the same clout that Thrasher had already. Uh, and uh, probably years actually and I, I think it eventually got it but but that was my schooling I did it for three years um, after that I realized I was kind of becoming known as a skateboard guy and I you're a skate art or a skate designer and it, yeah that's not why I was there I mean same thing at surfer the the ad guys and a lot of people are just trying somehow to stay close to the sport well i wasn't trying to do that in skating i just that was kind of my avenue into this thing i had discovered as a second career which was graphic design sure but i was realizing after three years i was getting kind of typecast as a skate skate guy or the skate designer and that so i purposely one summer sent out a ton of resumes and uh, and that led to the next step but before that, we launched um, Transworld Snowboarding. Yeah, I was going to say, because there's, there's work in, in the end of print, right, from Transworld Snowboarding. Yeah. The, um, and I remember when I first started getting into Transworld, again, snowboarding and seeing Transworld, like realizing that you'd had a part in that. So was this going on at the same time as you were working on, on, on Transworld Skate as well? You were kind of doing both titles. Yeah. Yeah, we launched mm, Transworld Skate, or Transworld Snowboard, which at the time was it was a difficult birth <clears throat> because um, the editor and probably the publisher were convinced that for this new sport to survive, it was going to have to get older people uh, who had money and who skied. And that's how this new thing called snowboarding was going to survive. Yeah. So it had to have, according to them, a conservative look and feel yeah as we need the rich people who ski to make this sport really take off and i'm thinking well, no i think it's a lot of the same people that skate and younger people and i think we need to kind of speak to that and and uh i, I was overruled in the first couple issues or couldn't be any more conservative and straight even for me and and uh so i did i think just the first two issues and then left right and uh um and and you know, of course the sport was just a lot like skating and you know skating and snowboarding have always been so much more progressive than surfing in terms of graphics uh, yeah and, i was going to say that's an interesting and, point so and, you you uh, mean you mean from that standpoint as in like graphically yeah and visually. trying new things and i mean i yeah because surfers are a surprisingly conservative group uh, overall even because they have this reputation of being something different and uh, than that and you know, when I redesigned Surfer Magazine, I, I got a pretty good taste of that, is how conservative they are. Yeah, people didn't like that. No, 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 there was a ton of hate mail. So I uh, so I started Transworld, then I went back east, did a magazine called Musician, and after doing that for a year, a photographer at Surfer Publications, James Casmus, called me and said, hey, there's, a, there's kind of a rumor that Pessimism's thinking about starting a new magazine. You know, I just I just want to let you know, maybe you know, maybe you should contact him or something. Right. I said, whoa, that'd be unreal. I got to come back to California and surf, and so I contacted Pesman, and he kind of said, well, I don't know, we're thinking about it, maybe. I I don't know. You know, if you ever get out of here, stop in or something. But yeah, it's it's really early. Right. 
So with that, I basically quit my job. Well, no, I got fired actually for music. <laughs> they thought I was getting too radical. Flew out there, you know, brought Pesmo a bottle of wine, and because uh, he's a big wine guy, and uh, said, hey, "Let's talk about this new magazine," <laughs> and that became Beach Culture. Right. So uh, continue that. So skate, transworld skateboarding, transworld snowboarding, musician, musician magazine. Yeah, Beach Culture a, from Billboard Publications. Yeah. Um, then Beach Culture, then Surfer, then Ray Gun. Okay, so so yes. Surfer after Beach Culture. That's yeah. that's the lineage. Yeah. And did you you got fired from Musician? You yeah. said so. What what? And that was because they just found the approach to not not to their too taste. out there, too weird, too too whatever. Right. And we so I guess that's the question that I'm interested in. So you were purposefully using these opportunities to develop your ideas and and visual language if you like was that something that you did you did you often come up against people that didn't understand that or found it you know too difficult to get their heads around well i mean not i guess no is a short answer in a way because i was able to do so much of it this musician magazine was very conservative east coast uh, billboard publications I don't show any of that work in my lectures. I mean, it was still all very safe. And, but what it was doing for me is introducing me to the world of using outside illustrators, outside photographers, you know, being able to pick from not only people who are, not from only people who are in the building, but, you know, and, and so, so I'd had all this freedom with Transworld. Then I did Musician, where I had like a budget and I could actually bring in people from around the world, literally. And then that led to beach culture, which was just this nice mix of culture, music, fashion, some surf, uh, and was able to kind of combine those. But yeah, I don't, I mean, there was some, uh, I mean, the trans world, I had a lot of freedom, if, if not almost total, but I was also learning. It was really my schooling. You know? Sure. It was, it was pre-computer, it was art boards, you had to figure this stuff out, how do you spec color and type and printer instructions and, and just a whole different world. Because really. it's quite quick after you've changed careers as well, right? This is only a short period of time we're talking about presumably from when you've changed from teaching to design. Yeah. And what was it that precipitated it originally for you to change career? Because it sounds... Cause it sounds like it was actually fairly late, really, to yeah, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I was, I was uh, 26 the first time I heard the word graphic design. Yeah, that's what I mean. It feels like <clears throat> it was actually quite, quite far down the line. Um, first time I heard the word, and I was, I was teaching high school and got this little flyer from the University of Arizona in Tucson announcing a two-week graphic design workshop for high school seniors. Right. And they wanted me to post it and for the seniors to see. And I read this thing of this description about what they would do for two weeks. I thought, really? That's a profession? You can do that <laughs> for a living? So <laughs> that sounds really fun. So it literally wasn't on your radar at all? No. As, as like a, and it, it was not, you'd never been interested in it at all? No. Had you had any kind of interest in like, um, you know, art creation visual you know like when you were when you were younger had had there been anything that had like given you a clue that this might be where you would <laughs> that's, that's a good question um, in a way no but two things that, that strike me in that is when i was i don't know 21 22 maybe uh, running a surf shop in san diego for infinity surfboards and they introduced a, a model of mine and uh 
and I needed a logo for this surfboard. And the uh, and I thought, ah, there's this guy that comes in. He's an artist. I'll have him do the logo. So at, in my early 20s, it never occurred to me to do my own logo, right. my own surfboard. Okay, model. yeah, so that's actually a so bit I of a... So I have a guy who's, who's kind of well-known, surfer used him a lot. He's really good. Peter Spacek is his name, and he's mentioned a lot in the Barbarian days. He's yeah, the yeah. main guy that they hang out with. He did a logo for the David Garson model from Infinity Surfboards. So that strikes me as, as, as almost weird in a way that I didn't think to do it myself. Yeah, exactly. Like even six years earlier, you weren't yeah. like, oh, I could do that. No. Yeah. Um, and then the other kind of the other end of it is that, you know, I grew up, I learned to surf in Florida, in Cocoa Beach, Florida, when surfing was just was starting to go crazy basically just kind of overtook the whole state or certainly Cocoa Beach where I was um, and you got your only connection to surfing in the outside world was was uh, basically a surfer magazine yeah and occasionally what was it some early versions of surfing but so once every two months you would get this thing and once every then later once a month <laughs> Uh, and that was it. So today, all these years later, I could you could put down a stack of uh, surfer, particular, but probably any surf magazine for that day. But surfer magazines from the late '60s um, and maybe early '70s, and I could blindly pick any page, <laughs> put my finger on it, and tell you that caption. Really? Yeah. So you were that much of an without, avid... Without any question. And I'm always correcting people on Facebook. <laughs> no, that's not Dewey Weber. Yeah. Look, you can tell. I mean, or or it's so, that's Joe Smith, the you know, obscure ones, too. So that, to me, like, no big deal, obviously, but it's but I think, okay, well, maybe that, you know, I'm visual, I, yeah, I'm I was, noticing these things, I'm, the minute I see that, oh, I know that photo is probably... So that's the only little hint, maybe. Yeah, because like, you obviously like just soaking it up. I'm soaking it all in. Yeah. And, you know, and even today, somebody told me, or not today, but recently, says, people told me, you're always scanning, aren't you? And yeah, I, I am. I, you know, I know the font and that clock on the wall. I know there's nothing particularly interesting in here. I know this background color might work for these posters I have. But, yeah. But that's just what I do. Yeah, yeah. So you think. Force it. So you think when when you actually made the link of like ah that could be something interesting you already had this almost by osmosis like you'd kind of absorbed all these these ideas that perhaps informed when you did get the opportunity yeah yeah because yeah. it does kind of work like that doesn't it um you know you kind of you're taking that on especially if you if you're like as obsessed with something like surfing you know it's a really good medium to kind of learn about things other than surfing as well you know when it comes down to it so what was it about that course that struck your interest so much that that led you to kind of make such an abrupt change uh well it was a combination of things i had a really good teacher uh, a guy named jackson bolts who i'm still friends with today that would take a class to his house for for barbecues and parties and yeah, just just a really good guy um, and I think that was a huge part of it. Um, and then just, wow, you can be creative. You can do stuff with your hands. You can, you know, I did my little business card, hand-done stuff. And I think especially after teaching high school, which was, was fine, it was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I think I was okay. But 
it's not how you want to be in a, in a job. You know, you want to. And unfortunately, most teachers are kind of in something similar. A lot of them are where you should be in it because you can't wait to get in there the next morning and yeah. show them this new plan other than kind of going through the motions. And that's kind of where I was with teaching. The hours were good. It you know, gave me a lot of time to surf in the afternoons. Summers. Did you just fall into it? Like, Was it just something that you ended up doing? Kind of. I was, I was running a surf shop in San Diego, Infinity Surfboards, which was great while I went to college at San Diego State. I mean, what a great job running a surf shop, going to school, just like, you know, competing, appearing in ads, and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But then all of a sudden, I graduated, my friends graduated, and they all went on, and I'm still standing in the surf shop. And, you just there was a time, especially like rainy winter days, and you're just like you've read all the magazines, you've fondled all the boards, you're just like, <laughs> and somebody walks in and goes, "So tell me about these surfboards." <laughs> you're just like, ah! Yeah, and I just realized that I was kind of in a rut, and, uh, and 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 that led to me saying, "Okay, well maybe I should do something with this teaching credential I've got." Right you now, and and felt I needed to a little uh, force myself into something new. I felt, I felt I was in a rut. Yeah. Standing in a surf shop, basically. So with, and when you did the course and you started to um, change direction, was it, was it an immediate thing? Did you recognize like from that point that it was, that that was something that you should pursue and that was actually what you should be doing? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say at the end of those two weeks, I've never had anything so clear, and everything shifted. I mean, I, I moved. I was, uh, yeah, living, work, everything shifted. I never, never questioned it. Never looked back. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was. I wasn't really looking, but it was so clear, right? And uh, and still is. And uh, yeah, I think I'm really fortunate to have found that thing. You know, whatever it is, it's, I think, pretty critical to find it. Maybe not critical isn't quite the right word, but <clears throat> find that thing you're passionate about. And, you know, in my lectures, I say, you know, what's the definition of a good job? And, and uh, the, the best one I've heard is, is uh, if money wasn't an issue, would you do that same work? And if you would, you've got a great job. Yeah, and, sure. And I always feel I make I make my living from my hobby. It's it's, it's unfortunate in that. And when you came to that realization, did you did you start to did, you, did the development of your style come with that? Was that something that you also began to explore and also began to understand at the same time? Because obviously, you're very well known for you know it's almost insulting to say this. Very well known for a particular style of. Um, of design so how long you understand what i'm getting like how long before you started to appreciate that perhaps your ideas were unusual and and um were unique to you was that something that started to develop at the same time oh um well i in my case you know i didn't have any formal training and um uh, i never learned all the things i wasn't supposed to do i just started doing what made sense to me i didn't right. know anything about grids or formats or all of a sudden i had a skateboard magazine to design and the only starting point for me was to read the article and look at the images maybe look at the envelope that was sent in or the back of it for a stamp or something and just say wow what would that look like? What's the tone of this article, and what would that look like? And then I just start kind of playing, really. 
Um, so it wasn't like, how can I do something different or let's break the rules or uh, yeah, like a manifesto or like no, not yeah. at all. I, I I never I never learned all the things I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah, I just started making sense to doing what made sense to me. And you're in this environment of a skateboard magazine, so that's a pretty good place to not know the rules. Um, you know, I don't believe you have to know the rules to break them. That's as stupid as uh, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> it's like, no, if the designer's done their job, you should be able to judge a book by its cover. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah, Who started that. That's a very fair point. <laughs> yeah. But, but nevertheless, there are conventions in those worlds, like in skateboarding and, and like, you know, you mentioned surfing earlier. It, it, it is conservative and, and even visually they're conservative and, Certainly. Surf, especially, yeah, you know, and there are there are rules like in inverted commas, like about how how things should look and how like photographs should look, and they should be this color and they should be this, and you know that, that those cultures do have that language, um, and I think they can be pretty hidebound because of that, because they're such niche cultures, and and you know, people get protective of it. Did you did you come up against that when you were working on you know something like Transworld or? Well, not so much Transworld. I mean, and I think people could see early that it was an improvement, <laughs> um, <laughs> which would help. <laughs> and then it, it, the, the 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 more the problem with the early Transworld were were some of the hardcore skaters who were involved early um, didn't like the fact that I wasn't a hardcore skater. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, and, like you uh, you will come up against that, right? You will come up against people that are like well, no, this is how it should be. And def if you definitely came across it in, in early in the skateboard mag, but but it looked better, and the advertisers were liking it, and it was growing in ads and but some of the hardcore guys not so I don't know if it was so much the look or what I was doing but just the fact that I wasn't a hardcore skater yeah so that that rubbed them wrong and that took a while and I don't know if we ever got over it to be honest um, you don't strike me as somebody that's that bothered by that kind of thing though. no I was too <laughs> absorbed in what I'm doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Whatever, you, know, I'm, you know it's like people with a music magazine later say well did you ever get to meet some of the all the rock stars or whatever and yeah a few but I was more concerned about the next issue and the, and the layout and maybe to cover it rather than to go up to LA for the photo shoot or something you know it's just like very very absorbed in what I was doing yeah. So what is it? Can you can you pinpoint some things about beach culture that you particularly proud of now? Or was it most, more the memory of that particularly creative time that you look back on fondly? Well, I think the, the issues hold up really well. I think there's, um, you know, when I look at a, an old ray gun, the music magazine, it's, there's pages I like, pages I don't, pages I think, oh, that's good. And then, oh, what was I thinking? It's kind of bit all over the place but but beach culture held up really well so it's a combination of it was so pure we had i mean i had to borrow lunch money i had to borrow gas money to drive up from del mar to dana point where we did the magazine and the warehouse at surfer you know it was but it was it was fine it wasn't at all about that it was a real uh labor of passion or passion of labor that's not the word <laughs> um and uh, yeah, so but but I think the results are, are solid. I think the six issues hold up really well. And, and where later the Reagan work, the music magazine was 
yeah, there's some good stuff and some horrible stuff. It was kind of all over the place. Well, Reagan so. had a platform, right? Uh, that was actually like a distributed magazine. People could find it. Yeah. That was the difference. Yeah. So, so that's, um, it's a we, big, we had no idea. I mean, huh? that puts a whole new commercial slant on it. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, suddenly you're, you, you, I imagine, I'm just guessing, but I imagine that leads to less freedom, right? You know, necessarily because there's advertisers involved and there's publishers and, and, there's, well, an, and there's an audience. Well, I would say normally that would be correct but with, with with ray gun no i still had complete freedom and when i right when i finished an article i sent it to the printer right uh, an issue when i finished this issue i sent it directly to the printer publisher didn't see it till he got a printed copy in his hand really so, yeah was, again very unusual situation how how is that's what allowed it to to flourish in a way you know you gotta you hire people for what they can do and then you gotta get out of the way and let them do it yeah but it's a rare publisher that's going to do that for you yes very rare yeah very rare uh, unheard of actually i'd say and i i was always i was aware of that especially with beach culture and then by reagan it was more just all i knew so i just didn't think anything of it sending the issue myself to the printer and <laughs> so the so the bigger sort of platform again didn't really phase you. It was just another opportunity to no to work. No, no, because I still had total freedom, and it was rock and roll music. Some of the some incredible collaborators. Oh, oh absolutely! Some yeah. of the best illustrators and photographers and and writers from from anywhere. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I got—I mean, we still had no budget, and I got some of the best people in the world because I offered them something, no matter how famous or successful they'd become, that they still wanted, and that was freedom to do what they do. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'd say, um, you know, you got a full page or maybe a couple pages, and here's the theme. And sometimes they'd say, "Well, you know, you need some sketches. You want me to send it to you?" And I say, "No. When when you would sign it, send it to me, and it'll be fine. Because I know I picked you because I know your work. I know what you do. When you would put your name on it, send it. And ninety nine percent of the time, it worked great. And uh, you know, you hire people in the, for what they do, and then you got to let them do it. I've always felt strong about that. So, um, how long did that period last, like Reagan?" Uh, I did 30 issues and I think again that was three years okay and then you said it was surfer after that and then see no Reagan then I then commercial people started noticing I got a call one one new year literally the week after new year's I got a call from David Byrne wanting a oh wow yeah, I'm in my just, little office in just, Del Mar. Just that. Yeah, David, David, <laughs> David, David, who? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wanting a, a video package for a, a concert and a poster and stuff, and and then uh, the same week I got a call from Nike or their agency or White and Kennedy about a big print campaign and. I turned to my one assistant or intern or whatever and said, well, I think this is going to be a good year. Because like, up to that point, it yeah. has been magazines with little or no money and that, that was fine. It didn't matter. Were you doing commercial work at the same time, though, as, as very the, little, the editorial? Very little. Right, so really it was all very editorial. I mean, up I, yeah, I mean, maybe occasional. You know, I did something for for Gary Linden surfboards. I did some stuff for Rusty surfboards. Uh, he later did a lot of Quicksilver work. Um, but but no, I for me that for the most part no. I just the magazine that right was the focus. It's purely editorial. Breathed, yeah. Am I right in thinking you did some stuff for Burton snowboards as well at <clears> some point? <throat> yes. 
That would be correct, and that's a, it's a similar story maybe in that we started transdual snowboarding, and the inside cover went to this new startup kind of snowboard company in the East Coast called Burton. And we'd be kind of happy with the issue, and then they'd send us their ad, and it would be, I can still see it, it's, it's a guy jumping over a sidewalk, uh, and no snow or anything. He's, he's over the sidewalk on the snowboard or whatever it was at that point, and, and the cement is on fire. <laughs> and it was early, way before, it was actually pre-Photoshop, so it was like, it wasn't... Anyway, it's just stupid. We got, we got a whole. <laughs> I've never of, seen that. I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, well, if you find a first or second issue, it'll be the inside cover. Right, okay. I mean, it sounds like it could be cool, but it wasn't. It was just corny. That's going to be all in the execution, that, this, isn't it? This handwritten logo that was just bad hand lettering, that now it's so old that they've actually used it again, and it feels better than it did three right. years ago. Right, Yeah, and they used that one, and they used the bar I did for them, but... Um, so we got a hold of Bird and said, look, what, what about if we do your ads for you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I started doing the ads for Burton. And then when I moved to the East Coast to take this job with Musician Magazine, I became Burton's first art director, out, outside art director. Right. It was so early, um, Jake paid me in equipment. Really? That's how early it was in the Burton thing. Really? Yeah. So you got a couple of performers and lying he, around. Uh, yeah, he he and his uh, he and his wife used to take me. Basically, taught me how to snowboard. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So the commercial thing came came like the the main sort of commercial career came post Reagan. Then essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. And how how did that affect the work in any way, or did you still just have the same focus? Well, because obviously you have those commercial demands, you know, it's a different proposition. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different. It just becomes different challenges. You know, the people who were scared to death of my work or hated it or whatever didn't come to me. So right away I got less battles than a lot of people might have. Because they knew what they were hiring. Well, not necessarily, but they knew they wanted something <laughs> different or he's the guy or something. So, so the people, so right away I got less of that than a lot of people, but... Um, I don't know. I just kind of saw it as different challenges. You know, I did stuff for Microsoft and I did stuff for uh, Bose speakers and headphones and pretty corporate conservative clients. And um, but it, for me, it just became a different challenge. It's like, really, I have to use your font, and we have all these restrictions. And you know, as a designer, you can say, "Well, screw it, I'm going to do whatever I want," or you could say, "Wow, that's interesting. How could I do something that still works for them?" Uh, but I'm happy with as a designer and so I just I just kind of saw it like that and I always had an eclectic group of stuff so I wasn't only focused on that that I this you know I only show them things I think is better than what they've got but yeah I mean it's part of it you know even the skateboard magazine I was very aware of the audience you know I think they demanded a certain uh, maybe aesthetic or look or approach uh, well they deserved it they you know they, they um, if that's quite the right word but they you have you can't, you have to keep them in mind and regardless of the client or there's an audience and there's something you're trying to say it happened to work well with my lack of training and kind of way I see things and I don't know where that comes from it worked well in a skateboard then surf then rock and roll atmosphere sure. no training and this kind of it, it gelled but always, you remember, who's the audience? What else are they seeing? What, what's, what's the competition? What, what are we trying to say? What's the purpose here? And so 
to do uh you know i look at surfer magazine now it's just it's it's designed by uh software you know there doesn't seem to be any human involved in it uh which of course they would disagree but (laughs) it's just sterile you know (laughs) and i think that's a disservice to the writers to the readers to everybody Uh, so to do a skateboard magazine in a traditional way or something no that's not right that's not it's not the sport it's not the people it's uh but when I, yeah, I was kind of jumping around, but when I redesigned Surfer, we, uh, and they got a lot of hate mail. <laughs> That's when I really learned uh, how conservative surfers are. And, uh, uh, yeah, because there are people, I, I decided there was a bunch of people, and it was kind of, it was before the longboard thing had kind of came back. So you had, you had this group that their surf experience was a new issue of Surfer once a month in their mail slot or whatever, and all of a sudden it was different. Yeah, and they we were don't, pissed. We don't like this. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. is this? What, what's, what's happened to this? Yeah. Yeah. Who's this guy? It was a pretty. So uh, you know, and that lasted a I don't know a couple three issues, and then the ads started looking more like that, and it became yeah. no big deal. So something about the shock of the new and yeah. But uh, skaters and I'd say later snowboarders were a lot more progressive design-wise. Yeah, more able to accept. And now I think it's kind of a segue into a little different area. Now that surfing has gotten so cleaned up and so mass, uh, you know, those blue-railed softboards. I mean, you know, we used to kind of joke, everybody surfs. It's really true. Everybody surfs. And it's just so generic with the global home of surfing and all this stuff. At some point, it, it, I started thinking lately that what used to be the, 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 the attraction to surfing was kind of the, the outsiderness or a bit of the rebel spirit or the characters or the, the whole thing. And that's being sanitized daily, dramatically. And so what used to be maybe the actual uh, riding or surfing and the actual characters has, has really been sanitized and disappeared. And the only place I think it shows up now, that spirit, I would call it, of surfing, uh, which is a really ironic now, is in some of the writing. Yeah, you think and that? I think that's really interesting. So why do you see that? Uh, stab and beach grip. Yeah, so you think that that... Because obviously, um, I think beach grip in particular is, is an attempt to capture that right oh, attempt to capture the, the spirit that you're talking about oh to, to, to have that stance to have that kind of yeah i mean maybe overly so but uh, i mean i don't i don't know if the uh, not so much the intentions but to me that's the things that attracted to me to surfing early is these kind of rebel spirits and the guys with a really good style or something different or the screw you attitude whatever it was that seems all gone and the only place i see it now is in the writing yeah of those two places online and it took me quite a while like this is like recent revelations like wow that's that's you know because we try to they're homogenizing surfing so much and you know surf clothing sales are down and nike wants to get out well surprise it's all (laughs) these vowels riding these blue softboards who wants to wear clothing that represents that or the you know global home of surfing it's um so i just yeah i just had to think wow you know that spirit 
because forever in surf magazines, uh, especially when I was doing surfer, yeah, the the writing was always pretty standard, decent, yeah. forgettable. Yeah, yeah. You know, just reporting, and uh, yeah, and so uh, yeah, there was none of this stuff going on now. I mean, there was a few of the Derek Hind and uh, maybe uh, some early Mickey Dora stuff, but. So anyway, I don't want to over push that, and uh, there's a lot of debate in the letters and all that stuff. But there, there's some people taking some pretty good risks. And just the writing, the art of writing, you know, it's it's the craftsmanship, and that's that's what I think's been lost in graphic design too. The the craftsmanship, the, the computers make a lot of the decisions for designers now. The space between columns, the whatever, we've gotten kind of lazy, and uh, so yeah. Uh, you know, I have disagreements with both of those places, but but the spirit of like muck, mucking with things to me that's that's where it exists now in surfing. Has your process changed over the years, personally, the way that you approach? I don't think so. Uh, I might be too close to it to 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 really judge, but I never went back and learned all the rules or I never adopted a grid. I still, okay, who's the audience? What are we trying to say? What am I getting after reading this article or listening to the music? What would, and what would that look like? How can I reinforce that? And I, so I think it's pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah. Actually to that approach to, yeah. to try and sort of see where it fits and to, to, to understand a bit more about the, the intention to help you. I, you got to, you know, you can have the best written article in the world if nobody, bothers to read it because it looks boring <laughs> then that's a disservice to everybody yeah the writer and the reader and um yeah i mean it might be flesh left all caps and yeah it's readable it's fine but what it's really saying is don't read me you know keep moving <laughs> don't click <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that's a hard sell if people do if people don't get that or understand that basic concept yeah what do you sure. mean? i can read it and it's pretty clever it's pretty funny but it might be saying, keep going, don't stop, nothing important here, nothing interesting. So that spirit that you describe of, about surfing, was that what originally attracted you when you, because when did you start surfing? Well, how old would you have been? Well, I would say um, it was right before board, surfboards went short. Okay. So... so and my biggest influence, uh, or well, I don't know if influence is the right word, but the person I looked up to would have been Mickey Dora, for sure. So he basically epitomizes this yeah. spirit that, yeah. you, that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So I'm like 12, and here's this guy doing this like really out there stuff, and but yet he backed it up with a really good style. Yeah. And, and uh, so yeah, that yeah that was my first first real like surf hero or whatever at 12 years old but it was the it, what he represented that that kind of rebel spirit yeah and uh but yet sincere but legitimate you know like sure some of it was an act or whatever but but it was he could back it up he had the style and uh well he backed it up with his, the way that he lived as well didn't he and the whole thing yeah, yeah you know real... it's not he certainly wasn't putting it on by the end yeah you know what's the book called for the the, the all for a few good ways no all for a all, few perfect ways yeah and you know it's actually quite a bleak story by the end of it you know like just kind of uh, lonely and, yeah exactly uh, you know small dark room and uh, living with his no not even his dog he lost the dog in the fire which of course that brings up 
you know, more recently Derek Hine, which I oh, that's really similar that's thing. really awful story. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, really, horrible. really horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. God, what can you say about that? Really, that's just awful, isn't it? It's like a friend of ours. Do you know Jamie Brissick? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we went and saw him in Malibu, and similar thing, isn't it? It's just awful, isn't it? You know, like yeah, I, I keep meaning to. I had a house just down the road from where he was and I'm on oh, point doom yeah and I don't know if it survived or not but uh um yeah but Mickey when you read that book and yeah you really get the impression that he, yeah you can't sustain what he did for for an act really you know that was obviously his life wasn't it yeah and that was obviously what he was doing and, yeah. and and the way that he expressed himself basically for right or wrong yeah um so you feel like surfing's lost by the sounds of it, I'm guessing you weren't tuned into the Freshwater Pro the last. I was aware it was going on, but I wasn't watching it. Um, and I, but certainly at night when it was over, I went to see the results. And yeah, I thought it was it's really intriguing how the two main places I go to, but but also I'll go to Surfer. I mean, they're better online than they are in print. Um, uh, that they seem to only talk about like from when there was eight guys left to the final, which is really interesting. So we didn't have to go through all the other, I would think there must be some disappointed pros. What do you mean? I, in the <laughs> early heat, I had that one way. You know? <laughs> There's none of that. It's just pretty much here's the guys that won. And, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Beach Grit definitely have used that event as a bit of a, kind of battleground in a way about this whole debate about um this this exact thing that you're talking about you know like what does this say about the state of surfing now and um they're clearly not seeing many positives in that really in in the way that they've um addressed it you know stuff like wave pools and 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 the thing that you were talking about and like the homogenization it's of just surfing. very it's just very um generic it's very it's trying to you know i have a a friend that owns a production company that the, i think it was still asp went to to come up with a whole new look and they and he, they he was told it wanted it to we want to look like the super bowl of football american you, football you can kind of see that <laughs> and, <laughs> with the way and, they've done it and this guy to his credit it was his company a big i mean it's a big production company but he said gosh you know we don't really think surfing is like football and and he was totally shut down. I said, "No, no, this we're going after mainstream. We're we're going to take this thing big." So you still see that it's it's of course it's fine and it's professional and it's it just lacks any spirit. It doesn't lack any what draw draws people to the sport is a, still some of that rebel attitude or doing things a little different or you know it should be leading and there's nothing they do graphically that leads. It follows and it's solid and it's. It's like the logo, the new logo change is something you'd expect to see in a um, in a mall for a uh, life is good store or something. It's, it's <laughs> harmless, it's bland, no one's going to be pissed off about it, and it kind of works. So harmless, bland people will find nothing offensive in yeah. that logo, and yeah. it works. And so, you could, I could see it in a life is good store in a mall in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's you know, and that's some, that's always the inherent problem. Is that it's fine, it works, and you know, I watch the the podcasts as 
dare say as much as anybody, pretty addicted to it still. Yeah, yeah. And, and we got a lot of better stuff than we ever had. But nobody is referencing it outside of, of that world. No, None of the other sports or anything is saying, have you seen what they're doing with the, the surfing thing? Check out these titles or check out what they did with their, their jerseys for the surf league. It's all this generic, solid stuff that comes from a mindset of, of whatever worked. I mean, it's an easy hit, but whatever works on Oprah or, you know, SUP. It could be, I don't know. It's just, you know, and it, I, could, I it could be so much lost more. something. There. It could be so much more, though. That's, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Should it? Yeah, should it should be leading. Yeah, it should be leading. Check out what the Surf League has done with their yeah. stats or whatever it is. And there's there's none of that. It seems a bit underachieving to basically say, yeah, we're going yeah. to copy American football. Or it's we're, it's, we're, we're, it's we're, solid. It's fine. And it's better than it's probably ever been. Yeah. But it isn't but creative it, and it isn't it But isn't it has leading, no, no, none of the, I would say, the spirit of surfing. And none of the insane moves or waves or anything is being represented and how it's presented to the public. And that's what the public loves about it or is intrigued by the whole early, you know, beach guy, beach person yeah, ex- living. Exactly. Kind of rebel. And now we're just like everything else. Yeah. And solid and there'll be a lot of cuts and there'll be, you know, and the title, will come, you know, and it's. Seems fine, but <laughs> yeah, something's been lost. Yeah, sounds like you're still an avid consumer of yeah. surf media in the same way that you were when you were a kid, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I get. Yeah, it's hard for me to get much done when there's a competition on. I don't even like calling it competition, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a word I don't use. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and the same with with print and. And, and and film in the surf industry you still um very hooked into all that uh not as much film as i i don't know why i don't i just i don't seem to see a lot of the ones i heard talked about but but um yeah i'm always i'll well ironically I'll, I'll make a point to go get see if the new surfers journal has come yeah <laughs> But uh, and devour it that night, and so yeah, very much. Yeah, I could I could give you a rundown of all that happened in the last few contests, and what should have happened, and what didn't happen, and why this person and that person, and and you have just uh, there's so many issues. Yeah, I'm way too involved. <laughs> and it's like you have these people that, that you know. Well, I think that what's really not given enough attention is got to be the qualifying series because you have these group about half of them there's always a few that fall off and they claw their way back on and they fall off again (laughs) (laughs) it's just like they need to put more attention to the qualifying series because they're not the best surfers in the world on this there's some of the best surfers in the world are in there but this thing about the best, no, no, there's some of those guys are probably some of the best in the world. But there's also plenty of guys that serve better than most of those people who aren't on tour. Yeah, so I sure. think, you know, and then as a graphic designer thing, I noticed I, I literally go all over the, the globe and a lot of the places are surf places. I, I've yet to see somebody wearing a WSL <laughs> t-shirt to see a sticker on yeah. a computer. It's not massively to aspirational, see, I don't to think. To see a, uh, a sticker on the back of a car. Yeah. You know, it used to be all that. I did these 
Eddie would go stickers for for Quicksilver. They're sold out. You couldn't. Yeah. You know. I mean, the posters, like yeah. You know, and there's people in the North Shore that have each year, and there's all this stuff, and that's something I think is a pretty good indicator. And I've yet to see a WSL. <laughs> you know, it's so somebody ought to be thinking. So why is that? But I, I don't think they obviously don't care. It's solid, and you know, it's it's not embarrassing. It's just. They should give you a call. Missing somehow. Would you, would you do it if you got that call? Well, I never got that call. And I <laughs> applied a few times. Oh, you did? Yeah. Right. Yeah, cause, just because I'd see something come up. and uh, So, so uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I don't know. And then I did this thing with the Beach Grid where it was probably sunk any any potential. Where, <laughs> where uh, Team Beach Grid. <laughs> Derek, yeah. Derek said, hey, what, you want to do some logos for the WSL? There's, I hear they're changing their logo. And I just, oh, that'd be fun. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah, and I That's just, hilarious. I just did this, like, <laughs> the most kind of screwed up things you could imagine. I had some fun with it. Okay, here. And he ran them all. And, and uh, you know, here's new logo ideas from... Which is never how it would have happened. You know, you would have had it would have been two way. You would have talked with them. You got sure. some idea where they're going. It would have a whole different thing. Besides, had these pretty wacky things and sent them out there. And I'm guess uh, I'd have to think anybody with there in that in the organization would have seen those and just go, <laughs> <laughs> stay away from this guy. You know, yeah. there's, there's no way Ofer would use any of those. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hit. it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out because I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, I actually have no interest in watching surf contests at all. Never watch them. Don't care. So, but see, if they're the global home of surfing, you should be like following them. Yeah, and I, I think I'm. I think I'm like a, a kind of a classic floating voter as well because I think occasionally I think, oh, I should I should watch that, but um, I'm just not interested. But you're right. Like you would think there's this whole constituency of of people like me who surf and who who should be engaged by this and and all the ingredients are there personalities great surfing great waves it's all there but it is just so fucking dull isn't it and i yeah i'm definitely not that interested it just just seemed like a really wasted opportunity yeah and i just uh, something where they've got some they're trying they're trying to get all this content and change all these things but yeah but even that's kinda, even though even that's all kind of quite weak isn't right. it no, yeah it's just kind of you're not you're not driven to want to see it or check it out yeah uh, i think you're right i think next year is going to be um obviously with the olympics and you know another kind of chapter in it which with what with the olympics next year oh well um you know i have a yeah i have a lot of thoughts on that too and following it and i have a nephew who's in a uh, who's a tennis champion and has been in a lot of the olympics uh, for um handicapped he's in a wheelchair oh wow and, for the paralympics uh, yeah oh wow how amazing and um and i know I have a sense of, of, of why those guys are trying so hard to get in there. I mean, that is going to blow away any experience they've had at any of these uh, WSL contests. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. It is a massive the opening the parade or start. Oh, it's huge. Of, yeah. It's just, you know, that's going to over way overshadow any trophy or, you know, some standing on the on the podium somewhere. So anyway, that so yeah, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and it's whoever gets a gold, that person is is a part of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even that sounds like he gets the gold. It doesn't sound like surfing, really, does it? 
Yeah. And then you get to this whole other thing where we finally invented a perfect wave. We've got a perfect wave. It's it's we get, we did it, and everybody's bored of it already. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think anybody saw that coming. No. We did it. It's got a tube. It goes forever. It's there, and we're bored of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that definitely says something about the the human condition. That doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe we've that's got part we've got of perfection. Two years well, later. I realize I, I, I <laughs> That's really clicked, boring. I clicked through some guy, you know, halfway through his 10 second tube somewhere because I've seen it so many times and you kind of get it. And yeah. Your stuff where, whatever, 10 years ago, you go, oh my God. So we're, we're inundated with so much stuff. I really like William Finnegan's article in The New Yorker. I'm sure you read it about Kelly's Paul. Did you read that one? Recent? Uh, maybe that? a year ago. What was it about? About surfing Kelly's wife, Paul. Um, oh, it, I must have. I, I, I love his book. Yeah, it was great. It was basically about this, as obviously only he can express it. Um, but it was great. It was basically like you know what what happens when you create perfection, and what does it say about us that we're already bored of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, just oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, you know, so. so how often are you surfing? Because you've got your place in the. Yeah, well, wherever it is, I have this place. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I've, I've been on the schedule now for about 20 years, where uh, in the winter, anywhere from two to at the most six months, I go down the great, if not near perfect, when it breaks, right hander, and literally in my front yard, I jump off the front yard, the yard and yeah, take a few strokes, right. and you're in the lineup. There's no drift, no drift, no current. It's predominant winds offshore. Uh, so I do that every winter now for the last 20 years, and uh, from like I said, two to six months, and then the rest of the year I'm I'm wherever. Yeah. And uh, for me, that schedule works really well. Uh, I think that'd work really well for me as well. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> well, you know, like I wasn't, I'm not surfing year round, but when I'm surfing, it's a really good warm yeah. water, long, right? And, and I, every season I get it to, to myself. I figure as long as that's still happening, it's working. Nice. Um, it's, 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 it can be inconsistent, not as much as people think, but, um, but yeah, that that schedule works for me good. Like I know it's coming up. I'm already starting to think, okay, it won't be long now. I've got right. Got a couple new boards ordered, and, and so it's that's coming up again. But and then I'm it's gone. But then I remember it, maybe it gets back to an old Dora quote where he says, "When there's waves, I'm totally involved, uh, and when there's none, it doesn't exist." <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> that's is, a bit extreme, but but that was his quote. You know, yeah, you know. and again, that that's that's pretty pretty sane, pretty sane attitude, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, so. Yeah, I don't I don't surf year round, but when I surf, it's it's a real deal, and I'm you know of course still all sh- short boards. That's been notable in the last just few months, where the WSL is definitely making a push for the longboard thing again. And yeah, seeing yeah, a lot more of that. And what did you say? The Val, the Val market. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, yeah. But but yeah, just yeah. You know, why does Nike want out of the surf business? So who wants to dress like a? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've got one more question for you. I guess the question is, what's inspiring you right now? And not doesn't necessarily mean need to be surfing. Um, what 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 are you 
getting what are you seeing that inspires you well for for me it's, it's just kind of a daily thing really i mean it sounds a little cliche or, or trite but i'm i'm always taking photos and noticing things and i've just got a ton of stuff after a week in india and um yeah i can't say oh i'm watching this magazine or this show or it's really just hopefully continually growing or progressing but but just being able to I'm just drawn to it. I've been doing these hand collages for the last year or so, or just stuff I collect in my travels. I tear them up, move them around by hand, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. There's no client. There's no particular reason. And in a way, it's kind of pure design because there's no right or wrong. It's just trusting yourself to know when you got it or when to stop. And you're you're not even trying to do that, but you're moving this stuff around. At some point, you go... Oh, oh, that's done. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from, but uh, yeah, I got a whole slew of pictures from of old weird billboards in India, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm very fortunate, I think, in that that I don't have to force it. I'm just drawn to stuff, and uh, and I think kind of a consumer of, of a lot of things, or no, that's not the right word, but observer and aware of stuff, and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a problem with motivation. Like I always thought, it's strange when people say talk about writer's block, and I, I never get that in design. It's everything is it's its own unique uh, solution or process, or you know, I can't read something or look at some images and and have no reaction. So the idea of having no idea where to go or having like design block or something. Maybe if I had a grid and a system, it was just just kind of blindly running stuff well then you get bored and you're not doing good work anyway but um yeah i'm just you know i'll I'll go back tonight and see if any cool jobs came in on email and go from there (laughs) oh well that's an absolute pleasure thanks so much well thanks thanks for having me that was a nice surprise so there you go that was me and david carson and what an absolute surf geek he is eh it's not on the recording but the first thing he said to me when we sat down was, have you seen the new Carve magazine where they misidentified Malibu in print? Um, and subsequently I saw that Beach Grid run a piece on that and they talk about how they were tipped off by a famous um, unnamed tipster who I'm willing to bet, having met him, is David Carson. Didn't have the heart to mention also that I'm technically a Val myself. That's vulnerable adult learner, if you're wondering. A phrase again popularised by Beach Grit. I'm not sure David would have approved, really, if I told him that I did actually own a Mick Fanning foamy. But there you go. Anyway, meeting David and realising that he's basically a prankster and a surf geek went a long way to explaining why he's managed to retain his freshness and interest throughout the most storied career in graphic design. If you want to find out more about David, his book, The End of Print, is a great place to start. The latest edition has a forward by none other than David Byrne um, or his Instagram is, as you might expect, a Trevor Trove, treasure trove, easy for me to say, of that unique Carsonian perspective. Anyway, housekeeping corner. I got a I got an email off a listener, which was nice. Colin McKenzie, who's corresponded with the podcast before, I'm going to read it out. Hi, Matt, congratulations on reaching the cusp of triple digits with Looking Sideways. It's maybe an old talking point now, but I, for one, am grateful that you're not some big studio operation with lots of equipment 
Uh, you could equate it to somebody with an expensive hi-fi playing shit music against somebody out and about with a cheap Walkman playing Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet, outstanding music brackets. In other words, being able to travel lightly and quickly to your interviewees is surely one of your biggest strengths. Top quality audio is nice to have, but personally, I wouldn't be hung up on it. Zoom should sponsor you. Good tip that. Um, I appreciate the content of the conversations you're having above all else. The Nick Housefield interview is just one example of that. What an amazing story. If you are heading out to Portland, which I've talked about before, um, the one contact you should meet, I suggest, is John Rattray. Um, Rick Curran at Skateboard Scotland could surely help with that. Um, a one-time pro for zero, John's life was shaken with the death of his sister. I, I suggest you check out his blog, thepredatorybird.com, which details his work with suicide prevention projects like The Good Ed and Why So Sad. Great idea. This is me, obviously. I might try and do that if I end up out in Portland. Anyway, we're starting to get, this is Colin again, we're starting to get worried during your recent hiatus. It crossed my mind that it might have been dog related. Glad you're back. I really enjoy the show. All the best, Colin McKenzie. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate that. Appreciate you asking after Peg as well. Peg's doing fine. I do get the occasional message about Peg because I've mentioned him on the show uh, um, and his health issues at various points. He's actually got an operation next week um, where he's going to have a pretty gnarly operation on one of his front legs at the Super Vet. Um, of television fame and he's going to be out of action for about eight weeks um, but to be honest I think me and my uh, better half Boog are just quite looking forward to getting it sorted out really we're assured that he's going to be fine once the operation's done and judging by the way he bounced back from the last one I think that's probably about right so episode 99 which means coming up next is episode 100 I've only been trailing it for about the last three months yeah but nice milestone this one um, as people might have gathered from what I've been saying over the months I started the podcast on a complete whim really really just thought oh that's quite a good idea I might see if I can do that myself and here we are a hundred advertising free episodes later and I'm pretty proud of what I've created to be honest um got a big audience out there who seem to really appreciate it so like I said last episode I'd love to hear from you on this occasion the great looking sideways listening public you can email me at podcast at wearelookingsideways.com or contact me at Instagram over at wearelooksideways. One of the things I usually do over there is post the messages I receive on Instagram stories, which works out really well because it tends to start a dialogue between listeners. So yeah, let me know what you think about the show and how it's been going for the next for the last 100 episodes. And also it's time to start planning the next 100 episodes. Got a few things lined up. Looks like we are going to be doing a book me and Owen from the Looking Sideways California trip. And we're also going to do a live show and gallery exhibition to promote that one. So that's likely to be in the new year. I'll keep you posted on that. Like I say, plotting the trip to Portland. Um, could be a Portland omnibus. I might do a post on Insta asking for suggestions on that. Whatever happens, I'll be chatting shit about it on here. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you prefer to get your podcast because people are pretty picky about that, I've realised. And yeah, keep in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying it. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you, David Carson, for being such an epic sport with this whole one. And uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Nice one. Nice one.